This is 69 The Podcast. I'm Dave Haynes. 69 has been covering the digital signage industry since the dawn of man, first online and now as a podcast. The goal on here is to make listeners aware of interesting companies, smart people, and new technology developments, all of them meaningful in making digital signage projects happen. I try to help listeners understand sometimes complicated subjects and why they should care. The podcasts are free and I try to get a new one out weekly, but things happen now and then. The 69 Podcast has been gratefully sponsored and supported since the start by Jeremy Gavin and the fine folks at ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. ScreenFeed makes beautiful-looking, totally automated content for signage and digital out-of-home networks. Check them out at ScreenFeed.com. 69 has been around since 2006, and the publication and podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which provides customer engagement solutions for business. You can find them at Spectrio.com. Nanolumens was an early player in the LED display space, known mainly in its first few years for innovative display products that were super light, thin, and flexible, at a time when just about everything else on the market was heavy, thick, and solid. The Atlanta-based company was still pretty much known for that kind of product when Nate Corsino was hired on as CEO at the start of 2020. Experienced as a business transformation and turnaround guy, Corsino has evolved Nanolumens from a company with an interesting niche product to one that has a full range of display options, from conventional video wall setups and all-in-ones, transparent mesh displays, and the thin, flexible units that first gained attention. Nanolumens has also got more focused on some key vertical markets, arguably the biggest ones being airports and public spaces. Several new air terminals that have been built or renovated in the last couple of years have featured Nanolumens product in its signature public art, messaging, and experiential installations. Corsino and I chatted about how he also put in the hours with his team to clarify how it goes to market and how it specifically works with integrators and solutions providers. Nay, thank you for joining me. You joined the company from Barco, so you would have already been well-versed in LED and display. What, what attracted you to Nanolumens? Good morning, Dave, and thanks for having me. Uh, yes, I came from Barco, and before Barco, I was at Philips, uh, Philips Electronics, European company, Barco, also European company, um, and and now at uh, Nanolumens, US-based company. Uh, but to be honest with you, at Barco, we paid little attention to LED. Uh, you know, we have uh, deep engineering uh, bases in projection there. Uh, also, we venture with uh, click share. So LED uh, has been up and down at Barco, and uh, and the nanolum is differently. Uh, all we do is uh, LED, so we are pretty much focused here. Yeah, I, because you knew the business. Was there something in particular that attracted you to nanolumens? Because you know they're a bit relatively small and U.S. focused, as opposed to you know a, a big global entity like a Barco. What was your kind of perspective on all that? Uh, you know, why join them? Yeah, I, I think for good or bad, uh, I developed my career in improving businesses, transforming and improving turnarounds. Um, and I felt that uh, the impact I could continue to do that would be more valuable in, in companies uh, like Nanomoments. So I think it was a good encounter that a company that needed uh, this kind of action going and someone that had experience in doing at a corporate level in many different business units. So now I could come, you know, and exercise all I have learned um, all by myself. And, uh, and I'm very glad I did that change. Okay. 
when I first got to know nanolumens, let's say 10 years ago, their calling card, so to speak, was these flexible, almost rug-like LED displays with removable modules. They called them Nixels at the time. I think they still do. It was very unique on the market at that point. And those were the early days anyways for LED display. But now they're, I wouldn't say they're not still unique, but that's, I don't get the sense that's the kind of the main growth driver for nano these days. Yeah, well, very interesting. The company has uh, run about 17 years, um, has a pioneer, one of the pioneers in the LED display uh, market, uh, many innovations, um, you know, almost 100 IPs. Uh, but most notably, like you just said, um, is the invention of the flex. The flex, flex module is still called an Excel, uh, where you can uh, basically do a true curve, a smooth curve uh, wall. So we hold IPs on that. Um, but since then, things have, have evolved quite a bit, uh, especially in the last three years. We continue to do, of course, uh, very well in the curve. But we have re-engineered and extended the portfolio for cabinet-based modular units, also mesh, all-in-one. So we have now a very extensive portfolio. Um, now, if you uh, ask the sales mix, it's almost half of it is still customized, uh, which includes the the, the curved the curved uh, modules. And the other half is uh, is more on the standard uh, flat uh, kind of solution. Hmm. And and why do you think it's played out that way? Uh, I believe that uh, the brand uh, the brand commands that customization uh, aspect, the DNA of creativity. Uh, you know, wow effect, uh, doing things that uh, are let's say complex, difficult, but we have. You know, we engineer to make it possible. So I think that's where the, that's the inheritance of the brand and continues to be so. Um, I, I, what we have tried to do, part of my arrival here, is to continue that, but create a, not a next segment that you know gives uh, the possibility of uh, of scaling up the business. And that's why we also, uh, like I mentioned before, re-engineer the flat. Uh, the flat segment, all-in-one, smash, outdoor, if it is more on the architectural side. Uh, so it's, it's, it's the one step in the direction of uh, extending the portfolio to scale the business and, and, and find, a, let's say, a consistent, regular growth path for the business. Okay, so if you stayed primarily with these lightweight flex products as as kind of your main product line, that would kind of restrict you to being kind of a niche manufacturer as opposed to broadening it and becoming a general manufacturer that would give you scale. Exactly, exactly. It is it is a very architectural, customized, and therefore uh, you could call indeed niche. Uh, it's it's a good portion of the of the market. Uh, we do very well there, but if we have uh, bigger ambitions and big plans, then uh, we need to play in other fields as well. Right. Uh, in paying attention to projects that come on stream and knowing that 
in many cases, the customer doesn't allow the manufacturer to say who it is uh, that's providing some of the technology. I, I still get a sense that that Nanolumens is doing a lot of airports in particular. And I'm, I'm curious why that's played out like that. Like, what, why are you guys winning so much of the business in airports, you know, apart from, I'm sure you're going to say, because we have great product, but <laughs> there, there has to be other reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a that, that's a very good question. Also, probably not an easy answer. Um, product definitely makes uh, makes an important uh, play there. Uh, but I would say, Dave, that airport is one of the most complex, demanding environment. You know, you have the airport itself, you have the airlines, you have the advertising agencies or companies. Uh, there's a lot of things going on in uh, in an airport. You have very tight schedules where you can work and um, and where you cannot work. Um, you know, it has security aspects to it. I, um, I, you know, I think over the years the company just got to understand how all these play uh, those cards are played, and then um, more importantly, we learn and we learn to adapt and uh, and. Um, does not fight the system, but work with the system, right? Uh, whatever the constraints are, whatever the demands are, we translate that into a workable plan. And uh, that involves product, involves people, involves process. And, uh, and there we go. And how much of it does Nanolumens take on versus, uh, you know, channel partners and integration partners? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Excellent question. I think the past of the company, and then I have seen not only in Analumis, but also in my past career, uh, there is a confusion uh, within the company as far as go-to-market is concerned. Um, and that's not a good thing. Uh, here was not different. Nanolumens, uh, <clears throat> from its past behavior, has confused the market in terms of, is it going directly? Is it going through the partner, to the, through the channel partner? Um, so one of the things that I've done since my arrival is, uh, is basically to clarify on that and, and commit to a go-to-market. And it is my strong belief, and that's where the company is settled now. We go to market through channel partners. Uh, so that's our, that's our approach. So there is no more, no more, uh, doubt about it. So you, you don't do direct sales. No, we do have some house accounts, uh, legacy ones, but you know, less than a handful. Right. And whenever we have, whenever we have a company that wants to do direct business, we sit with them and we explain all the uh, the risks associated with taking a technology company, you know, that is focused on creating things and trying to make it a turnkey company that will be distracted with many other things. And through that dialogue, we always introduce channel partners that are um, that work with us very well. And um, I think, you know, I think 99% of the time we end up uh, in a good alignment that uh, we will play through the channel to the end user and that everybody will be satisfied. One, one of the things that's come up in LED for LED manufacturers and for marketing is because a lot of the quote unquote channel 
didn't really have a lot of background and experience in uh, deploying LED displays. They didn't know how to specify it. They didn't really know how to sell it or anything else. So a lot of the manufacturers came up with these all-in-one finished displays with fixed sizes. And, you know, they would come in a kit and everything's there and you just open it up and deploy it. And it's a 186-inch big-ass TV, that sort of thing. Uh, I, I'm suspecting that the channel partners you're working with are kind of beyond that because they're doing, you know, mega walls and airports and so on. Yes, we have. Um, we, by the way, we do have also this this uh, super large TVs, as you call it, like the the, the 120, 100. No, no, big ass. Yeah, the big ass, <laughs> the, the big ass uh, screens or all in one. I get you saying that, yet. yeah. Yeah, so we do have them. Um, it's part of uh, you know uh, working out a distribution model for the company. Um, no, our partners, um, our channel partners, uh, we work with them from the very early day, very early stage, where we train their designers, we train their salespeople, uh, of course, if they are open and, uh, and welcoming to it. And most of the time they are. So we, we actually work together to make them uh, more comfortable with the technology and, uh, and entertaining the prospect of the business, of their business. But ultimately, that will come back to us and we will engineer the solution as a final project anyways for them. So th it sounds like this is more about getting the right channel partners as opposed to getting lots of channel partners. Oh, definitely, definitely. I think we, I mean, there are thousands of uh, of them out there. Um, we we work very well with uh, with many, but I think there is a right balance, um, and we try to be very uh, cautious of it. Mm -hmm. The marketplace seems to be inexorably moving towards increasingly fine pitch displays are you seeing that or are, are you still kind of experiencing some customers who understand you know what for the the dynamics of the environment we're in four millimeter is fine or even six millimeter well i would say that um the answer is uh, is is yes um to the most part uh, you see that every Two or so years, two or three years, um, the uh, the the volume goes into the next narrow pitch uh, size, right? It used to be the 2.5, and then it went to the let's say 1.5, and then it's the 1.2. Uh, so it moves. It feels like it moves like every two to three plus years, um, and that is not changing. Uh, however. Um, and I think that's very interesting for the LED uh, marketing industry. Um, LED is going uh, in places where nobody would have a screen before. Um, that's number one. So it, it is growing into new, uh, new areas, new applications. Second is also replacing uh, some of the projection uh, technology. And and third is also replacing some of the um, old LCD solutions. So it's a market that keeps growing. And I say that because with that kind of uh, penetration in so multiple um, applications, uh, you end up with uh, a need or 
of any almost any any pitch size, any fine pitch, meaning you know the the four might be very good for certain applications and the six from some others. Uh, you know, if it is outdoor or indoor, um, I give you an example in airports. Uh, in airports, there is a lot of 2.5 millimeters going. And you say, why is that? Why don't they go finer? Uh, it's because terminals and, and lobbies are uh, usually very big in airports. So the screens are far from the person. And therefore, you don't need a super fine pitch. Uh, a 2.5 does an excellent job. Yeah. Is there a kind of a sweet spot? Like I, I, I was hearing in the last couple of years that it seems like the, the market has settled a lot on, as you're just saying, two to 2.5 is it kind of works for most applications. If you're getting away from, you know, really close in things in retail or museums. Yeah, that, that, that is right. That is right. Um, and, um, and I think there is a second trend towards like volume on the 1.2, um, especially in applications where people don't want to have a tile LCD solution. They want to be, they want to have a more smooth, uh, seamless, uh, large screen. Uh, so therefore you also see in that particular part of the segment where people are closer to the screen, uh, volumes moving very fast on more than 1.2 millimeters. For over a decade, ScreenFeed has been the reliable choice for beautifully designed, licensed content such as news and weather. We handle over 27 million requests a day to deliver dynamic content to 200,000 screens across the globe. Now we bring you ScreenFeed Connect, a no-code solution that makes complex content projects easy. Projects that used to take our designers and developers weeks became a to-do we could complete before lunch. The easy-to-use browser-based tool leverages pre-built data connections and ready-made widgets to give you the power to design with data. Create team member profiles, schedules, tenant directories, progress boards, featured products, or anything that leverages your data. Discover how Connect empowers you to complete projects faster at screenfeed.com. I was walking around Integrated Systems Europe about a month ago and looking at displays that and they were R&D products at, at that point or R&D efforts. But I, I saw 0.4 millimeters and I didn't see personally, but I saw the PR after uh, a Chinese manufacturing say they had 0.39. So just, uh, you know, a, a hair thinner even. And I, I wonder, are those just kind of marketing, trade show, eye candy kinds of things? Is there really a demand for LED to be that tight in picks in pitch? Yeah, technology-wise, uh, <clears throat> there is a pursuit for that. Yeah, that's correct. And uh, the, I think one of the reasons is that you need that kind of super-duper <laughs> fine pitch uh, to reproduce what um, LCDs or OLEDs um, are doing nowadays in the market. Um, you know, to the very you know small, let's say consumer consumer-based screens, uh, you will need to go uh, that low. So tech technology keeps pushing the boundaries, uh, pursuing that uh, route. Now, uh, the, when you look at the business side of it, the business is is run uh, in 0.9 to above uh, peak size. Even when you say a 0.7, you know, many companies are now displaying a 0.7. Is it doable? Yes. It is expensive? Yes. 
Uh, are there volumes? No. Uh, you know, there will be very, you know, very, very uh, selected, limited uh, products or screens being made on a 0.7 at this point. So I just try to give you a relative situation between a technology that, that pursues a, um, eventually to be in a consumer kind of uh, uh, demand, uh, but still are in a professional uh, uh, in a professional kind of market. Right. Uh, we've seen in the last few years the emergence of mini LED and then micro LED. Is most of what Nano is doing is still for to simplify the description, conventional SMD or four in one LED? Yeah, so we do conventional, uh, you know, nowadays uh, also moving to COV and therefore going to mini LED. Um, that's where that's where we uh, we play. I think I think the term of a micro LED is uh, a little bit uh, uh, overused in applications that are not micro LED. So I think, I think there is a big, I'm trying to be polite, but there is a big marketing thing uh, on the use of a micro LED at this point. Mm -hmm. do, do you see your company going to that uh, if some of the mass transfer challenges and production challenges kind of get overcome? Because I, I keep hearing that when those get figured out, that's really going to greatly reduce the uh, cost of micro LED and make it something that you could use uh, for you know, something other than just super premium applications. Yeah, at that point, at that point, it's almost like a process industry. If, if you don't, uh, if you don't control the yield, uh, it cannot be cost effective. So they will have to operate at a very high yield. Um, I think, I think the company, the company will go with the market. So I think we've been very, uh, and part of the transformation from from the early days of nanolumens, we are now a very market centric. Uh, and we will respond to the market demands in the in the short, mid, long term. So when you say you're market market centric, uh, you mean you're kind of focused on certain verticals like airports? Exactly. Yeah. When it, and we try to translate um, unique aspects of those segments into the into the portfolio, into the design that we will provide them. And. And does that kind of apply to going after larger public spaces, that sort of thing? Um, yes. So, in the um, let me give you a, also a little bit of insight on the business. Uh, sure. We were we were heavily well. The largest portion of the of the of the revenue mix was on airport and also on theme entertainment, theme parks. Uh, you know, large projects that come you know, every other year or so. Yeah. But since then, uh, we are now having a very evenly distributed mix where we operate in airport for sure, uh, theme entertainment for sure, but now we also do lots of uh, business with corporate, you know, large venues, but, uh, but also especially their lobby and briefing centers. Uh, higher Ed has been investing nicely, Sportsbook, uh, and uh, last but not least, uh, the FedGov uh, segment. I think those segments are all growing for us, and uh, that gives us a, a, a more evenly spread uh, mix in the top line. 
And why are all these different segments now investing in LED versus two, three years ago? Is it just a function of price and awareness? I think so. I think the product became more affordable. Uh, the product became better. Therefore, uh, it can be applied uh, in different ways, in different surfaces. Um, and, um, and I think the previous, let's say, solutions they had has already depreciated. And, 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 and LED becomes the next technology uh, future proof that provides a uh, more immersive experience. And I think uh, not to overplay the word immersive, but there's, a, there's an enormous trend on immersive experience. And, uh, and you can, when can you achieve that, right? And I think LED is from a screen technology very, uh, very capable of doing so. Yeah, I, I've certainly seen this emergence, particularly of these experiential venues where they're using projection. And I love what some of them do. I've got a good friend who has one in Montreal. But I, I just wonder if that's a technology that's going to be taken over by LED with time because you know, you, you've got more flexibility. It doesn't have to be a darkened room and and. Uh, you're not confronted by some of the the, the, the environmental issues. True, true. I, I think um, my belief is that you know, the technologies will coexist. Uh, one technology opens up a new application, like uh, you know those uh, those new kind of museums, as you or or experiential centers that you mentioned. Um, eventually, some of them will move to LED when they find it it is uh, appropriate to. Uh, have a, uh, an applicable to do so. Um, projection will stay will still stay there. So I think they will coexist, but they will find a new balance uh, in terms of sharing the market. One thing I believe you your company has expanded into in, in terms of broadening the product line is some of the mesh LED product that is both for indoor and outdoor use. Uh, are, are you seeing a lot of activity there? Yeah, we started that. Um, we started that a year. No, no, I'm uh, more than a year ago. Uh, we installed the the big landscape here in Atlanta, uh, TKE building at the Battery. Um, I think that that got a lot of uh, media exposure. It's a large surface up high in the in the in the building. Yeah, it's an elevator test facility, right? That's a test and showroom facility. Okay. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of elevators going up and down. Uh, they had, of course, the uh, the building had a uh, a glass facade, so people could go into the uh, to the elevator and yet see the stadium down there and see the city, and they didn't want to block that view. So uh, we engineer a mesh solution where you go through the elevator and you still see through uh, and enjoy the same view. However, if you are uh, on the road, on the stadium, and you look back to the building, you have this, you know, beautiful uh, branding uh, screen there. And um, so that was designed about two to three years ago. It was delivered um, about a year ago, a year plus ago. And, uh, and since then, we have seen the pipeline increasing. You know, people become aware of it and the possibilities of it, especially the architects and consultants are very interested to see, you know, what the new possibilities it brings. 
and we, we we've been engaging more and more into those conversations and and with that the pipeline keeps growing i i assume that one of the reasons there's a lot of interest in that is because it's pretty lightweight and as you say it doesn't block light coming in in, in the way that a solid uh kind of cabinet-based system would do. Is that a big attraction? Yes. Is there, you, you mentioned earlier with working with the channel and with integrators, are you also uh, trying to circulate and drive awareness amongst the design and architectural communities? Because I kind of see LED as becoming a building material. Yeah, we have a, we have a, it's a separate group within the company here. Uh, that deals exclusively with the AUC group. And, um, you know, we have lots of uh, materials, uh, also uh, certified material for, for training. We do lots of uh, lunch and learning. And we find out that, you know, there is, uh, although we are a very known and improved and gaining uh, brand, uh, there's still a lot of people that need to know us better. So, uh, so that's that's definitely uh, uh, one aspect uh, of importance for us, um, and and we enjoy because it's not a it's not a sale um, sale conversation. It's more a solution conversation uh, in many cases. Is the I don't want to say the fact, but to, you're based in Atlanta. You do your design. Uh, all the specification and everything in Atlanta and, and like everybody else, you get some of the manufacturing done overseas. You're, you're competing with uh, a hell of a lot of companies that are, that have sales offices here and maybe some degree of support, but most of what they do is on the other side of the Pacific. Is it, is that a, a kind of a key marketing uh, plank that, that you are based in the U.S. and, and somewhat uh, designed and assembled in the U.S. versus the others? 100 percent. We are very proud of it. Um, and uh, let me quote, uh, let me quote a customer the other day. The customer, you know, it's a new, a new engagement um, a channel partner. So his own words were like, so when we deal with your company, we actually don't need to use Google Translator. Is that right? <laughs> and I, I, I find I find that that person said it all right. Uh, no, we don't need Google Translator. Uh, we are here. We are, uh, you know, we have the full skills in in here. Uh, we are very easy to do business with. We respond very quickly, uh, and we are very adaptive. So uh, we deliver at the end of the day, uh, if you put that everything into the, into the Excel or into the papers, um, it is more cost effective to work this way. And are you finding just generally that the, the, the people you're working with, they are familiar or they, they've got, they've had enough experience in the marketplace to understand that you can have a Chinese manufacturer that has a sales office over here, but the support, everything else is, is overseas and that, that becomes problematic. True. Um, and I get, and I get, um, Chinese manufacturers, uh, knocking my door 
every single week, every single week I have. And, and they offer me, and of course they offer many other people out there. So then the question is, what's the value proposition? What's the uniqueness? Um, so we are very tied with our supply chain. We have made uh, improvements in the last two years. They are paying off nicely. Um, and, and our channel partners working with us, they have appreciated all the value that uh, we have been uh, bringing to, to the table. Um, and once that experience, uh, once, once we go through that experience, 100% of the time, uh, it's becoming repeatable. So, and the repeat, re and the repeatability of it, I think that's, uh, I hope that's our word. Um, uh, and that gives me, gives me uh, the comfort that uh, we are adding value to their business and we can do that in a, in a profitable way for the industry, including ourselves. Okay. So where are you at as a company in terms of uh, headcount and are, are you public or private? I believe you're private. We are private. Uh, privately owned company, therefore we we uh, we don't share uh, business metrics. But uh, do you have like fifty employees, one hundred employees, five thousand employees? Around about a hundred. Okay, and is is most of that in Atlanta? I would say um, seventy to eighty percent in Atlanta, and uh, and the remaining part spread. Okay, and do, do you have uh, for your? Manufacturing? Do you have people over in China or wherever you get uh, some of your product made, or components made? Yeah, so we we work with contract manufacturer, um, but we have R and D, uh, R and D and supply base in China. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, if people want to know more about your company, where would they find you online? Uh, we have uh, we of course uh, nanolumens.com. We have refreshed the web. Uh, brought a lot of uh, uh, tools into it, uh, made it the experience a lot more user friendly, and um, and that's where we will find us. Great. All right. Well, thank you for spending some time with me. Uh, it was my pleasure, uh, Dave. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe you learned a thing or two. If you're new to 69, it's a podcast that's been around since 2016. You can click around the archive and find hundreds of conversations with smart industry people. If you're new to digital signage, you need to be reading 169 at 16-9.net. You'll find more than 8,000 posts by me and expert guest writers about this industry. 169 is not a press release republishing mill, like a lot of the stuff out there. If something makes it on 169, that means it matters in some way to the business. Everything about 169 is free. Great sponsors make my work possible, and the key one here is ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. Check out all the curated and automated content available at ScreenFeed.com. 16.9, the blog and the podcast, are now owned by Spectrio, which does customer engagement solutions, most of that digital signage, for all kinds of businesses. You'll find them in the Tampa area and online at Spectrio. That's Spectrio.com. You'll find me working out of a sunny back room in my house, located outside Halifax, Nova Scotia, on the east coast of Canada. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Haynes.